Welcome to the Center for a New American Securities NATSEC Women podcast series. Last year, we started a project on getting new audiences to think and talk about issues of gender, inclusivity, and national security. Schedule an event with gender in the title, and you can guarantee it is 95% women talking to other women in the audience about women's issues. So we tried other ways. Some audiences were receptive. Some weren't. Some were frustrated we were making a big deal out of a topic they thought was closed. Asked and answered, move on. But among the women we know, it didn't feel nearly as clear-cut. So we're bringing you right to the source. One-on-one, candid conversations with women in national security about their careers, their experience, their advice, and their lessons. Here's their stories. Hi, my name is Rachel Rizzo here at CNAS. And today I am with Kate Bateman, a visiting fellow this year with the Center for a New American Security and a CFR International Affairs Fellow. Kate, will you just take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Thanks, Rachel. I'm you know, happy to be here. I started my career in foreign affairs, um, covering foreign affairs and veterans issues for the representative from my home district in Maine um, on Capitol Hill. And then I um, went to graduate school for international relations, um, went to the State Department where I worked on South Asia um, primarily, and um, you know, served a couple tours abroad in Kabul and in Sri Lanka, and then um, ended up at the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan reconstruction, and now I am here working on corruption and governance issues as they relate to national security. That's interesting. So it seems like you have a pretty broad background when it comes to national security, spans different agencies. Um, So being a woman in this field, I feel like women are often asked the question, how do you deal with or what is it like to be a woman working in national security or foreign policy? How would you answer that question? Well, I think that you're right. I mean, my observation probably parallels a lot of, you know, that of women in a lot of other male-dominated fields. So with that caveat, I mean, um, the biggest thing to me is just um, is that I've observed a kind of increasing trend as I've um, become more senior, more experienced um, in those in my professional environments that women continue to be, you know, underrepresented at the table. And it's just, um, it can be quite intimidating to be um, the only woman or the one of just a handful of women in the room um, where men tend to, um, you know, speak up uh, first or uh, earlier and maybe more um, assertively. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can feel like you have to go an extra distance to be, you know, prove yourself to be all the more competent and the more, you know, to have every T crossed and I dotted that you know exactly what you're talking about. And I would say that there's also, I think, if we're going to define national security broadly um, as in terms of you know, drivers of conflict as mm-hmm. well as kind of our U.S., um, our defense posture and response to conflict, then you have a whole lot of fields that um, clearly tend to attract more women, like the peace and conflict studies, develop, international development. And you see that in graduate school programs where you know the gender ratio is like almost flipped, right? 
um, versus security studies programs. So um, I think it's interesting that even in the larger sense of you know what we consider important to U.S. national security, it's almost like the subfields are gendered, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of a common refrain among yeah. women in this field. So, I mean, like you said, there are different ways that one can be a part of the national security and foreign policy field, like different subfields, different sectors, different institutions. Some are more heavy on um, women representation. So how do you think your gender has affected how other professionals view your work? Um, especially when you look at the difference between, you know, kind of the, you know, women, peace and security issues and then the harder defense issues. Do you think it has affected your work or how others view it or has it affected your career trajectory at all? Yeah, I can certainly say that I personally am just drawn more to, you know, I'm working on these governance issues, and that certainly is seen as kind of a softer side of national security issues, if you will. Um, so I feel a there is a, a pressure to kind of um, uh, to kind of make make very clear your connection to uh, the security side, and to be able to speak both languages. And um, I think it's important. Um, to have represent you know a diverse a diverse body of views on either side so it's you know it's really it's a shame that there aren't more men in, on the development you know in the development space as well um, and uh, and that I think having women at the table who maybe come from a humanitarian or peace and conflict resolution background who can go into that the security space a DoD or military environment. And if they, you know, if their professional background is different, then they're bringing a, a diverse, complementary set of um, perspectives and knowledge to the table. Going back to something you said, you mentioned something about speaking both languages. And I think you were referring to kind of the hard security and soft security. But I think that can also refer to civilians and military. So for you, even though you haven't served in the military before, something interesting is that you are married to a retired army officer, correct? So how so how has that kind of affected your your career and what kind of trade-offs have you made or you know what kind of advice would you give women who are maybe in that in that same position? Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, um, I'm glad you mentioned it because I mean very tangibly when I was first um, dating my two then you know later to be husband, I was working on Capitol Hill and I was working on veterans issues, and I. I was, you know, young female, and you know, often dealing with um, with men, mostly men, many generation, a couple generations older, and the, you know, it was difficult to kind of establish a rapport and and prove that I cared about their issues and knew about their issues. And when I um, when I told them once that, well, I'm engaged to an army officer, you know, this kind of opened a, opened the door, you know, completely cracked the ice and um, opened the door to a closer rapport. Because I think that demonstrated to them, oh, you're invest, you're personally invested in what we care about, and you understand us, and um, so that, in a very you know tangible, concrete way, when I was earlier in my career, um, had an impact, and then um, and then later on, I mean, I certainly it even my you know that personal relationship in my life affected the trajectory of of my career because I. I had a you know much more intimate view of um, what it meant to be a military spouse, a military mm -hmm. family, the sacrifices that um, we make, and uh, you know I 
personally invested in um, in those ma- in those matters of national security. And then the second thing I want to mention is, um, I think a lot of I would guess that a lot of women who work in national security. They're working on foreign affairs, national security. Their partners may be interested and in working in the same space, and therefore, um, you know, there's a added pressure uh, or you know, added very complicated factor for both careers to be traveling, to be dealing with deployments, and and um, and you know, for my own experience, you know, there's a period where. We spent many, many years or months, um, and cumulatively a couple of years apart. And at one point, you know, it was time for him to go to England um, with the NATO, uh, NATO Land Component Command. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is after we'd both been in Afghanistan together, which was interesting in itself. And um, we're going back to England, and I explore. It's rural England. I explored work with State Department, but that wasn't working. And so I'm left to decide: Well, do I go back to Washington and continue my career in this clear path, or? Live with my husband and try to start a family and uh, and have a very um, have very many fewer options open to me. So, I mean, when it comes to those decisions, um, do you think that you kind of had to balance it differently because you were both in the same career field and both had that kind of pressure of working in national security on you, or do you think that kind of other you know women in different male dominated fields would kind of go through that as well? I'm sure. I mean, I would think, and from the friends I know, yeah. um, I'm, I would think they face a lot of the same, you know, trade-offs and questions, um, just hard decisions. But um, I, with one spouse in a, you know, a conflict zone, just brings a whole different level of absolutely and stress to the situation. I can, I can imagine. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to ask one last question. So, you know, knowing what you do now about being a woman in national security and foreign policy, if you had advice that you could go back and tell your younger self, what would that be? I would (laughs) tell my younger self to simply, you know, be, um, more assertive and bolder, uh, you know, to speak up earlier at the table, to not feel that I had to wait to get all the information, to have my argumentation solid and, you know, watertight before I put it out there. You know, probably not much different than I'd tell my younger self uh, if I went into any other profession. But um, I think sometimes women um, will tend to uh, wait till the conversation has developed uh, before they chime in. But then um, that's a double-edged sword because while you, you know, you're you're doing your your you're observing and and um, coming to the table with different insights from that. Um, you're also missing the opportunity to help direct and the trajectory of the whole conversation. So speak up and speak early. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much for for that advice and for speaking with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. 